continue with the series of refocus refocus 2012 as we are fasting and believing for God and and I, I, we've seen so many results already I truly believe as a result of people just laying down those things disconnecting from the world and connecting to God and I want to talk this morning on the thought of no backing up no backing up. I remember as a young child, I was trying to figure out how much older my uncle is than me, and I was thinking that I was probably four or five years of age at this time. But I remember my uncle had a little three-wheeler car. Tammy's hopefully got a picture right there. Look at that. Okay, It was a Reliant Robin three-wheel car. An incredible thing for this reason. In England, you had to be 17 to have a license to drive. But there was something about a Reliant Robin, and that was this. You could drive one when you were 16. But there was a catch, and the catch was this. You had to have the reverse gear blocked. So all you could do was drive forward. And I remember my uncle, he was the proud owner of one of these, and I'll never forget it, standing outside my grandfather's house in Scotland. I remember my uncle just peeling into his driveway with his little three-wheeler, and he thought he was the bee's knees. He thought life had come to an end. I mean, he thought this was it. He thought he was in heaven. And I remember, though, one day he pulled too close to the house. And you know what he had to do? He had to get out of his car walk to the front of it and push it back because it had no reverse gears. And I began to think about that when I'm talking about this message. And here's what I saw that day, and I've never forgot it, and I've tried to live my life by this, but here is this. Everything was great until he had to back up. Then he had a problem. That's the theme of my message today. Everything is great until you start backing up then you've got a problem. I want to say that one more time. Everything is great until you start to back up. Then you have problems. You're going to have problems. You see, God made us to move forward, not back. If you would look at your own body, you have two eyes where? In the front of your head. The two eyes are placed in the front of your head for a reason that you would move forward, that you would see where you were going, not look behind you. If God wanted you to live backwards, he would have put something back there. But God put everything out here, out in front. Why? Because as children of God, we've got no business going back when the only way is forward. Do I hear an amen in the house? Come on, you got to get loud in the house today because I'm telling you, the quieter you are, the longer I'm going to preach. So you might as well get with me right now. I said God gave you some eyes in the front because as children of God, we're going forward and not back. We're going forward and not back. During this fast, which I believe is really just setting the standard for our lives, the beginning of a newfound journey that we have, But during this fast, I believe we've sought after God. We've disconnected to the world. And I pray that we have discovered fresh desire for God. A new longing, a new desire for God that has brought with it a new sensitivity, a new closeness that has come in your life. But those changes, as we disconnect from the world and as we connect with God, those changes do not go unnoticed. And let me explain that for you this morning. A Christian on a pew, that's a pretty old-fashioned way to put it, isn't it? A Christian on a pew, because you're not sitting on a pew, you're sitting on a lovely, comfortable, lumbar-supported chair today. 
So a Christian on a padded chair with lumbar support is no threat to Satan. But one who is actively engaged in seeing the plan and purpose of God unfold in their lives, one who realizes that they have an assignment, that they have a purpose for their life, that's a different story. Satan notices someone like that. For some of you during this fast, Satan has found you. And he's put a target on your back. Because you see, there's no threat when you're in the crowd. But when you step out from the crowd, you are a threat to Satan. And therefore, he wants to take you down and take you out. And Satan don't play no games. Satan doesn't play. With that being said, it's therefore vitally important for us to know principles and truths from God's word. That will stop us backing up because he wants us to go back to our old way of living. Come on, many of you came through struggles and hardships and pains, addictions, insurmountable things in your life. That if it wasn't for God, you would still be bound. You would still be held in those things. Defeat and fear ruled and reigned in your life. And the list continues. Everything that we were bound by, what Satan inflicted us with those snares, those vices. But you broke free from those. God's breaking people in this place free from those. That you have a new beginning and you have a new hope. But you see, Satan wants you to go back to that. He wants you to once again be bound. He wants you once again to have fear. He wants you once again to be depressed. You can say a lot of negative things about Satan and rightfully so. But I believe there's something that you must give him credit for. And that is this. He is relentless and he never quits. He is relentless and he never quits. We can resist the devil, but guess what? He's waiting for us again. We can say, God, I give you my life and thank God, God comes in and we're a new person. But you know what? That doesn't mean that Satan leaves us alone. In fact, it means he's coming after you more than ever before. But remind yourself of this, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I'm not going to live fearful. I'm not going to live bound. I'm not going to be paralyzed by fear. Most animals that are run over on the road would be fine if they kept running. But what do they do? They see a car coming and for a moment they are paralyzed by fear and they stop and it's over. Satan wants us to be paralyzed by fear. But remember, there's only one way and that's forward in God. There's a saying that we've heard so many times and that is this, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You know where Satan goes every time? To your weakest link. You know where Satan targets? The areas of weakness in your life every time. Why? Because he knows that's the place and the area he can get you. I believe that through this fast, through this time, come on, those weak links have become stronger in God. We're not going to fall victim to those things anymore because we're not going back, we're going forward. It's amazing today when you look at how warfare has evolved how they can shoot a missile from hundreds and even thousands of miles away, but yet that missile can be directed and go right through an AC vent in the wall of a building. Or from a plane miles up in the air, a missile or a bomb can be dropped and it goes through the window of its target. Smart bombs, smart missiles, whatever you want to call them, that's the tactic of Satan. He comes right into those areas to try and infiltrate and to try and destroy your life. But as we walk in new freedom, as we say, God, you're just that much important to me and I want more of you, Satan will stop at nothing to try and pull you down. Look what it says in John 16. Verse 33. You see, we find hope in the Word of God. If we didn't have the Word of God, our lives would be miserable. We'd be depressed because there would be no hope. But thank God, because of His Word, we can have hope. John 16, verse 33. These things that I have spoken to to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations. 
Say with me, pressures, stress, anguish, and pain. That's tribulations. God himself says, you're going to have some struggles. You're going to have some things that you're going to have to endure. But what does he say? Be of good cheer. Have hope. Say to your neighbor, have hope. Have hope. What? I have overcome the world. There is assured victory in Christ for you. I said there's assured victory in Christ for you. You don't have to go back to those things anymore. You don't have to fall victim to the sins of your life, the past sins anymore. There is victory in God. Come on, He has overcome the world. And because He has overcome the world, we're overcomers in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to Hebrews 4, if you would, and verse 14 and 16, and it's on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning. But I love this passage. I love In fact, there's a lot of good stuff in the Bible if only we would get it in here. You know what I'm saying? If only we would just read it. There's a lot of good stuff in the Bible. But I love this passage. It says this in Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. New Living Translation says, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. I love that, don't you? Grab a hold of God and never let go. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. If you're weak today, God says, come boldly to me. Come boldly to me that you'll have the mercy and you'll find the grace that will give you the strength that you need. You see, we don't have to fall victim to sin any longer. God has given us the grace, the faith, the mercy, the strength to overcome all those things. You notice what it also said in that passage? It said this, Jesus never sinned. I'm going to say that one more time. Jesus never sinned. You've got to understand that because that's the very foundation of Christianity right there. He was the spotless lamb that would become sin's sacrifice once and for all. But even though Jesus didn't sin, he still experienced the temptations to sin. He didn't sin. He was without sin. But yet was in all points tempted as we are. He experienced the temptation but never did. Why is that important? I'm telling you why. Because he understands our struggles. He understands how powerful the voice of temptation can be to each one of us. And as we will read and as we will see a little bit later, because he overcame, because he did not sin, some people preach that he became sin for us and he died as a sinner. That is a lie from the pit of hell. He did not die in sin. He died our Savior and our Lord. He saved, he died as our Savior Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb. But because he overcame, he now is our way of escape. People can look and say, well, Jesus had it easy back then. I mean, how he was tempted was nothing in comparison to what we face right now. Perhaps the temptations were not so severe as we would put it, but the origin is exactly the same. And let me explain, if I would, sin and temptation this morning. 
And to do that, let's go back to Genesis, the beginning of the Word of God. Genesis 3, verse 6. Eve has been tempted. She's been deceived by the serpent. She's been taken to a place where she is standing in front of the tree. And the serpent says, you won't die, but you're going to be as wise as God. Look what Eve then happens, or in the story. It says in Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant or desirable to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it, and she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. There's three things that we see here that are spelled out very clearly through God's Word. When she saw it was good for food, secondly, When she saw it was pleasing or desirable to the eyes. And thirdly, it would make her wise. In this case, as wise as God, the Bible said she ate. She fell victim to the temptation and sin. I want to give you, if I may, sin simplified today. Here it is. Number one, the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the three ways, even when Jesus was alive, they are the three ways that Satan wants to tempt us to sin. When she saw that it was good to eat, that was the lust of the flesh. When she saw it was desirable to her, that's the lust of the eyes. And that she would be like God, that's the pride of life. Satan has used that tactics throughout the ages and still does today. Every sin that we fall victim to, every temptation we heed to, comes under one of those categories, or maybe even all of them. I want to be accepted. What's that? The pride of life. Pornography, what is that? The lust of the flesh. It's also the lust of the eyes. Every sin, every sin can be categorized under one or all of those titles. At the other end of the Bible, that was in Genesis, but look what it says at the other end of the Bible. In 1 John 2, verse 15 and 17, it says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. Satan's tactics have never changed over the years. He may use other means now, and he may use other methods, But his tactics, the origin of temptation that will cause us to sin is still the same. Now in hearing about the temptations and the struggles today, I don't want you to get discouraged. Because we just read in Hebrews 4 verse 16, we read these words that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. That we can come boldly to God. That His grace and His mercy will be given to us to help us overcome. We also need to be reminded of Romans 5 and verse 20. It says this, but where sin abounds, guess what? Grace abounds much more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. More. What does that mean? If you've slipped and messed up, come on, if you've slipped and messed up, His grace still abounds towards us. As long as Jesus is the Lord of our life, if as long as He's in charge, as long as we're surrendered over to Him, that you and I are in relationship with Him, it doesn't matter if you stumble a hundred times or even a thousand times. If you ask Him for forgiveness today, you will know that God loves you and you will know that God's forgiveness is available to you. Aren't you glad today that His grace and mercy is forgiven? Yes, our desire is to go forward, but some of us fall victim to the sin and temptation and we've stumbled and fallen. But thank God where sin doth abound, grace does much more 
abound for your life. We know what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. That which we don't deserve. But I love what Bishop Charles Wallace said when he came here here in, in June for our church anniversary. He said, grace is not just the merited favor of God. But grace is also the power of God living inside of our lives that gives us the grace to make it through the struggles and the trials of life. Grace isn't just forgiveness. Grace is that we won't have to mess up again the next time. He talked about grace being like Popeye spinach. That he would just burst the can when he needed a flood of strength. And he took that spinach. And he took that spinach down and all of a sudden, Pluto, watch out. Popeye's bulging muscles and ready to go. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God in our lives. You see, grace is not just about forgiveness. Grace is about another chance. Come on. But it's also the strength and the power for your walk. That you don't have to go back. Come on, say with me, I don't have to go back. Come on, say it like you mean it today. I don't have to go back. Come on, as long as I'm going forward, I'm okay. But when I start going back, I'm going to have some problems in my life. Come on, as long as I'm going forward, I'm not going back. Come on, I'm not going back. I'm not going back. God doesn't want you just free. Listen to me, God doesn't just want you free, He wants you to stay free. He wants you to stay free. What does it say in Galatians 5 verse 1? Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And then there's, of course, John 8, verse 36, where the Bible says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. I said you're free indeed. That word indeed means unconstrained, which is the opposite to being enslaved. So when God sets you free, listen, God doesn't just want you free. He wants you to stay free. And He's made it possible that your life just goes forward from now on. You don't have to go back. Those things that used to master you, those that used to control you through his power and through his grace, you and I can now master those things. We can now be over those instead of them controlling our lives. I want to talk, if I may, this morning a little about temptation. Temptation is really the roadway to sin. Temptation is the roadway to sin. If you've just been tempted, you probably haven't sinned. Temptation is not the act of sin, but it puts you to that place of sin. Do you know, understand what I'm talking about? Just to be tempted in your mind is not a sin just to be tempted, but it's when we give in to that temptation and follow after it and it becomes sin, it's then that it becomes sin in our lives. I want to talk about temptation this morning. Look what it says in James 1, verse 14 and 15. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 15 goes on to say that when desire is conceived, it then gives birth to sin. But each one is tempted. How are we tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires and enticed? Temptation actually starts way before the act of sin takes place. We are tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires. Say with me today, relationship is key. My relationship with God is key to the success of of my life. Because you know what happens when we talk about being drawn away? That means we're following after everything else except for God. That when our affections are on things of this world more than they are on God, when sports, when women, when idols, when work, when money becomes our God that's drawing us away, those things in themselves are not wrong, but they become wrong. 
when it takes our affection away from God, and that's the beginning of trouble. You know what is perhaps greater than faith? And don't shoot me down today because I thought long and hard about this myself. Because I thought there's nothing greater than faith. But you know what is greater than faith? Desire. Think about that for a moment. You can have faith, you can have a knowledge of God. But that's all it is. But you know what desire does? Desire puts that knowledge to work in your life. There's a lot of people that can believe that God can heal them, but they've got no desire to be healed. What's greater than faith in healing is the desire to be healed. There's a lot of people and a lot of Christians today that have faith. They have a relationship with God. They say they love God, but they have no desire. And what's happened is they've been drawn away by their own desire. And therefore, they find themselves on a slippery slope, gone the wrong way. Come on, we need to have desire again. We need to have desire again because when we follow our own desires, we're drawn away from Him and therefore sin begins or the act of sin follows. That's why on Wednesday we were talking about fresh desire, coming into agreement, alignment or assignment alignment and assignment, refocus. And that's why we've been talking about all these things. Why? Because we want to stop temptation before it becomes sin in your life. As I said a few moments ago, temptation is not your problem, but it's given into it. And that's when it becomes sin. We must stop temptation before it can become an act of sin. It's a little story. A lot of you have probably heard this story that the forecaster had forecasted there was a flood that was on its way. There was a mandatory evacuation of a certain town, a certain area. In the middle of that town, there was a guy who believed in God. So when the last truck or the last bus came by and said, is there anyone here? He put his head out the door and says, I'm fine. They said, this is the last vehicle. If you don't come on this vehicle, there's no more. There's a flood's coming. Your house is going to be destroyed. Everything's going to be gone. He says, I trust in God. I'm staying. The water began to rise. A boat came by, found out there was still a man in the house and knocked on the wall of the house and got his attention and said to him, Sir, come on, you need to get out. The waters are rising. They're not going to stop. He says, I trust in God. It's going to be okay. See you later. Go on your way. The water rose and rose and rose till the man had to find himself on the roof of his house to escape. A helicopter came by. A search party came by. They wanted to pick the man up. And he said, It's okay. I trust in God. He's going to take care of it. I've prayed and I've given it to God. The water rose and the water rose and the water rose till finally the man was drowned and his life was lost. He stands before God in heaven. And God says to him, why are you here? And he looks at God and he says, why am I here? He says, God, I trusted you. And I believe that you are going to set me free. Why, God, am I dead? Why, God, am I here? And God looked at him and he said, I sent a truck. I sent a boat. And I sent a helicopter. And you didn't heed to that. You see, we've got to watch because a lot of times we can look through life and we can say, well, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm I'm trusting in God. But we've got to watch for the warning sign. We've got to watch and realize that temptation wants to take us to a place that is not good. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 and 13. Most of you should know this passage. If not, it's a good one to learn. Verse 12 says, Therefore let him think who thinks he stands take heed lest he's fall. Watch out for pride. Watch out for pride. Let me say that one more time because you didn't give me an amen. Watch out for pride. Watch out by saying, hey, I'm infallible. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm invincible. I'm going to make it no matter what devil. You can't bring me down. Watch out for pride because the Bible says, take heed. Take heed. Why? Because you're in a position that you can fall if you don't watch out. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape 
that you may be able to bear it or endure it. In this passage, there's some key points here. Number one, you're not the only one who struggles. Satan never got you to that place where you're so ashamed of what you do because you feel if you told anyone else, they would just kick you to the curb and say, I can't believe you do that. I thought you were a Christian. Has anyone ever found yourself in that position? You see, Satan's tactic is to isolate you. And the Bible says a man who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment and wisdom. I think that's Proverbs 18.1. Satan wants to isolate you. Satan wants you to think that the only struggles and the problems you have, you're the only one that faces those. And as long as he keeps you on your own, guess what? You're probably going to still fall victim to those things. The Bible tells us that the temptations we face are common to man. That means we all struggle in some shape or form, in the same way. And we know what those temptations are, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. It's one of those three things. They're common to man. Here's the second key point I want you to see, and that is this. God is faithful. God is faithful. I remember a number of years ago as I read that verse, I thought kind of, kind of strange, right in the middle. It, kind of, it almost seems like it's out of place. No temptation has overtaken you. It's common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow the time. It's like almost something different to what's already going on in the verse. And I thought, that's kind of strange placed right in the middle there. But the more I thought about it, I thought that's where it needs to be because in the middle of it all, God is still there. In the middle of it all, God is still there. And God isn't just there saying, hey, you blew it. Come on, you've got to hear me today. God's not just there looking at you and saying, you're the scum of the earth and I'm going to send you to hell. It doesn't say he's there judging us. It doesn't say he's there condemning us. It doesn't say there he's saying, you've got what you deserve. It says he is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. God's right there in the middle of it. The struggles we go through in life, those things that are common to man, the things that we all face, God is faithful in the middle of it. And what does his faithfulness produce? The third part, and that is this. He is our way of escape. He's your escape every time. A lot of people say, well, I just drank because I wanted to escape the loneliness and the depression. I just smoke because of the peace and the relaxation it gives me. It's an escape mechanism. I just take pills tonight to sleep at night. Why? So I can escape the pain and the anguish. You're never going to find escape in anything else except for God. He said, I'll be faithful. No matter what you've done, come on, you should be shouting and hollering. No matter how many times I've failed, no matter what, God is still faithful. God is still faithful and he still is my way of escape. Way of escape with no strings attached. It's not that you have to light so many candles. It's not that you have to go to this class or that class or the next. It doesn't matter what you've done. All you say is, God, forgive me and he's your way of escape. No questions asked. He's your way of escape. But in order for him to be your way of escape, you've got to make him your choice. You've got to choose it. You've got to want it. You've got to desire him. You see, when we are drawn away by our own desires, he's our way of escape when we desire and say, God, I want your way. I want your way. And the fourth thing that we see from this passage is this. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. He says, no temptation has overtaken you as common with man, but God is faithful that he will not cause you to be faced with more than you can handle. He'll be your way of escape. And guess what? You'll be able to make it through on the other side. You'll have a testimony to the goodness of God. Come on, you can bear it. You can endure it. You can make it through. God didn't say, I'm just going to take you completely out of it. Sometimes we have to go through some stuff. But you know what? Through going through the stuff, we grow, we learn, we appreciate God like we've never appreciated Him before. And we come out the other side with a testimony. You know why we have tests? So we can have a testimony. So let me take you once again quickly through that process. As our desires are drawn away, temptation starts. But God always promises to be your way of escape before you have to ever fall victim to sin. 
This is why your desire and passion for God needs to be above all other desires. If not, the roadway, the pathway, the temptation, the fallen victim to sin, that temptation is beginning to be laid for your life, a pathway that you're going to find yourself going down. It's not a question today of how long you've been saved. It's not a question today of how much you gave in praise and worship to God today. It's not a question of how much you give to God today. You know what the question really is today? Or the main point really is this, is where are you? Where are you? Are you drawn away by temptation? Are you heading towards sin? Because Satan will tell you it will never happen to you. How many of you ever told that lie? Come on, help me out in the house. How many were ever told that lie? Keep your hand up if you fell victim to the lie he said it would never happen to you. If you want to know when Satan's lying, let me help you out. Every time he opens his mouth, he's lying. Come on now. You can't believe a word he says. You can't believe a word he says. But where are you? Where is our passion? Where is our desire? Because when our passion and desire is right for God, the right decisions will follow. When God becomes our way of escape, when we go God's way, then we will escape the trials and the tribulations that we won't have to go back, falling back into sin. I'm so glad of Celebrate Recovery and those who are dealing with hurts, habits and hangouts. But you know what we teach them? There's only one way. We can't go back to the past to fix the problems because when we go back there, we're going to be back in the problems. The only solution is this day forward. It's in God. There's no going back. It's only going forward. Why? Because He's faithful. He's our way of escape. But there's also something else I believe that we need to understand. Yes, God is our way of escape. And thank God for that. But there's also another way of escape we can choose before the temptation is unbearable. And that's by setting boundaries of our lives. Set boundaries in your life. Non-negotiable boundaries in your life. You know why a lot of us fall victim to sin? Because we're in the wrong place. At Satan's right time. If we were never there, we would never have a problem. You know, there are boundaries, and I'm not going to go through them all today, but there are boundaries that I've set in my life. One boundary I've set in my life is this. I don't counsel women on my own. For obvious reasons. I don't allow anything of a temptation or sin or anything like that to enter in. We, we set boundaries for stuff like that. There's other boundaries that I have in my life, and that is this. I don't go to nightclubs. I don't go to bars. I don't hang out in places like that. There's other boundaries, and there's other things that I set in my life. For what reason? Because I know how slick and sly Satan is. I know how the pathway of temptation will entice us and begin to draw us away, and then we'll fall victim to sin. You see, there are practical things that you and I need to start implementing in our lives. And that is this. You know what? If you were set free from alcohol, it's probably not a good thing for you to be still around it. Now, people can look and say, well, if you are really free, then you're free. Yes, you've been free, but how many knows that with freedom, God also gives godly wisdom? One of the biggest traps I've seen with a lot of people who have been set free, particularly from drug and a, and a lifestyle like that, is this. Their desire is to go back into that lifestyle and save all their friends. And you know what usually happens? They fall victim back into it again. Well, they were never really free. Oh, they were free. But their attentions were drawn away. You've got to be careful. You've got to be really careful. What are you saying, Pastor Philip? I can never reach those people. No, I never said that. I said you've just got to have godly wisdom. You've got to separate yourself from those things. You've got to set boundaries for your life because Satan wants nothing more than to trip you up and to bring you down. We could list off one after the other today, mighty ministers and people who were spiritual heads in the church. That If they would have had accountability in their life, they would have never stumbled and fell. 
They would have set boundaries for their life. But you know what happens? We begin to think we're a law unto ourselves, and we can write the rules. Listen, you don't write the rules for your life. You don't write the rules of life. The rules, thank you very much, have already been written. And you better start heeding to them because it's your way of escape. Don't think you're above the law. Don't think you're above God. Set boundaries for your life. Practical things. And they're very important for this reason. Because you're going to go through moments of weakness. I don't care who you are. You're going to go through moments of weakness in your life. Had a conversation with someone the other day and they said, Pastor Philip, I don't really find anything wrong with alcohol. In fact, I've done a lot of research and I've looked through the Bible and the only thing that I see is this, don't be drunk, in excess. So it's okay if I can just have a couple here and there. I said to him, well, first and foremost, I said, I believe the Bible says that it's not for priests and kings to drink. Proverbs 31 tells us that. I said, we're priests and kings of God, and I don't think we should give our lives over to that. I said, but here's my concern, and that is this. You may be able to handle that, but what about those around you? You may be able to handle the odd drink every now and again, and it not phase your life, but what about those around you? But here was the thought that I really brought in, and that is this. What about that moment of weakness? What about that time of depression and anguish and pain when all of a sudden the whole world is crashing in and there's a beer that's available and then there's another beer and then there's another beer and there's another beer. We're all going to have moments of weakness. And every alcoholic became an alcoholic one drink at a time. If they would have never taken a drink, they would have never been an alcoholic. It's not in your genes. It's not a sickness. It's not all this. It, It is a sickness. It's a sickness of the heart. It's a sin issue and a sin problem. But if you never participated once in that, you would never find yourself bound by that. Same with drugs. Oh, it's just a little bit of pot. I mean, it's, it's harmless. Just it's a little bit of marijuana. I mean, it's just a small high. It never ends up there. It goes deeper and deeper. And the next thing you know, you're on meth. The next thing you're on is all these things that control your life. Crack. You're addicted. You're controlled. You can't break free. But it would have never started if you would have set the boundaries for your life and says, I'm not going there. I don't care who you are. There's going to be moments of weakness in your life. There's going to be moments where Satan's going to come. Going to play with your mind. If we don't have a disciplined life, if we don't have a structure in place, we can find ourselves in the wrong place, as I said, at Satan's right time. Remember what we're talking about today. We're not backing up. It's only going forward. Everything's great till you back up and then you start having problems. Someone's listening. Those boundaries, here's some boundaries that I think you need to apply into your life. You need to watch where you go. I'm not going to spell it out to you, but I think you know where you need to go and where you don't need to go. You need to watch who you're around. Iron sharpeneth iron. You can be around the right people and they will sharpen your life. But there's another thought and that is this lead will take you to the bottom. Watch who you're around. Watch who you plant in your garden. Third rule that I look at and that is this. The boundary is I look and say, what do I allow and condone in my life? I set those limits. I set them. That's my filter that I live through. Listen to this statement. You should never redecide things according to the moment. You should never redecide things according to the moment. You decide one time and then you manage that decision. I've got to say that one more time. You make a decision and then for the rest of your life, you manage that decision. If I'm having to redecide some things when drugs and alcohol has been presented to me, I'm too far into it already. If I have to be in a place where I'm saying no, come on, I'm already in it too far. I need to decide some things in my life, some structured guidelines, and I'm going to say I'm not going to go beyond that. I don't redecide things in the moment. Why? Because I've already decided ahead of time that I'm not going to find myself in that place. Do I hear an amen? amen? Set the boundaries. I've been reading this incredible book. It's an excellent book by Tim Tebow. It's, it's his life story and it's called Through, Through My Eyes. 
And I want to read, if I could, just a passage out of it. He's in a discussion with people and the, and the guys on his team are laughing at him for the fact of he's been interviewed and someone asked him, are you going to keep yourself for marriage? And he said, yes. And, and he's just been made fun of by all the guys because women throw themselves on them and, and all these different things. And he says these words. I was reading it last night and I thought, wow, it goes so perfect with the message. He said, some guys also seem to think that it's impossible to resist temptation. I have found, as in other areas, that if I already thought through a situation and have a response prepared ahead of time, in the event temptation rears its ugly head, that it is much easier to resist. Of course, staying away from situations and questionable areas whenever possible, where I know there may be temptations, is even a better solution. Having already in your mind, in your heart, set in those boundaries to say, I'm going this far and no more. God is our way of escape. But God's way of escape starts with the decisions and the boundaries that we put in place. And we need to put those in place before sin even presents itself. Put the boundaries there in your life. Commit to them. They're non-negotiable. Don't negotiate. Young ladies, young guys, listen to me. Don't have sex before marriage. Set the boundaries in your life. Because when you start backing up, you're going to start having problems. You're going to have problems. Set the boundaries. Don't decide in the moment or have to re-decide at the moment. Set the standards right now to live by God's Word. Let me try and break this down for you, and I'm bringing this to a close this morning. Let's look at work as an example. You shouldn't wake up every day and say, I wonder if I should go to work today. You shouldn't wake up every day and say, you know what, I think there's something better on TV today, so I think I'm just going to stay at home and watch it. Oh, they've got that new dress at the mall that's just come out today, or the new shoes. You know what, I'm not going to go to work today. I would rather go to the mall. I'm just going to go and hang out with my friends. You make a decision to work, and you have to remind yourself perhaps every day, that means Monday through Friday. For some of you, maybe weekends if it's shift work. If not, you will lose your job, you will have no money, you cannot pay your bills, and for Chip, your pet's heads will fall off. You with me, Chip? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just pray for Chip afterwards. But what's going to happen in your life? If you don't go to work, say with me, I'm going to be in trouble. Come on, say it like you mean it today. If I don't go to work, I'm going to be in trouble. And here's what happens. You've got to decide one time, I'm going to start working. And you know what you've got to do for the rest of your life? You've got to manage that decision. You've got to manage that decision. That doesn't mean I'm choosing today, I'm not going to go. You've got to remind yourself of the importance of why you have to go and why it's important that you need to be there. And it's the same with your walk with God. You've got to make the decision and every day you've got to ask God to give you the strength to manage that decision that you're not going to go down the pathway of detention and fall into the victim of sin. We always in our lives will be susceptible to temptation. Don't care who you are, you're always going to be susceptible. The the opportunities of temptation are always going to be there. But you don't have to be under its control any longer. But the Bible says you can rule over that because he broke the curse of sin. Watch what Jesus said in Mark 14, verse 38. Jesus says, watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Notice Jesus didn't just say pray about it. But Jesus said, watch, be vigilant, be aware, be prepared, be prepared. Let boundaries reign in your life. Set boundaries for your life. I'm not going over these. And if someone doesn't fit those boundaries of your life, they don't belong in your life. Don't change your boundaries for anyone because if your boundaries are godly and right, if you change them, you're bringing something ungodly into your life. 
that God doesn't want for your life. Why do we have to be vigilant? Why do we have to watch? Why do we have to be aware? Because 1 Peter 5 verse 8 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But what does it say, verse 9? Resist him. How? Steadfast in the faith. That's our way of escape, our life relationship with Jesus Christ, that we can resist every temptation, every sin, because of Jesus Christ living inside of us. Watch out. Take heed. I could go on and on, but time is gone. But there's no time to back up. And there's no reason to either. If you want to back up in your life, You're going to have problems. The children of Israel one day complained and they said to Moses, we'd rather go back to Egypt. I mean, do you realize how stupid that was? I mean, come on, let's just get real. You know how stupid that was? They were in slaves. Or they were slaves. They were enslaved. They couldn't do whatever they wanted to do. Everything was forced. They were told when they could go and what they could go to. They were ruled. They were beaten. They were under abuse. And they said, we'd rather be back in slavery. Do you realize the stupidity? You need to start setting boundaries for your life. If not, you're going to start talking stupid and you're going to start going stupid and you're going to find yourself back and you're going to have some problems. You're free. Walk in your freedom. Obey God and move into your land of promise. Because whom the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Would you bow your heads with me today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.